You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And today we're taking a trip back in time and behind the green door. Yes, as Tara and I recently did an episode on our early days in Lexington, Kentucky. The idea was tossed around for Gray to talk about some of his early days, and a lot of those days were spent behind the green door. Tara and I were there as well many times. That is true. And Gray lived at the venue, book shows at the venue, cleaned up after us at the venue, mm-hmm. and so much more. Occasionally and- we helped. Once in a while, you probably helped. I'm sure I didn't. But (laughs) it is interesting because I find that from about the years 2003 to 2010, they all blend into one year for me. Mm -hmm. I don't, it's hard for me to remember all the separation. And I would have said that the green door existed for roughly five to six years. I would have said that's how long you were there and that's shows were going there for that long, but I would be very mistaken. That's that estimate. very true. Yeah. Green door ran from around June of 2004 till October, 2006. Whoa. It was a, the floor plan was 1600 square feet, but a third of it was actually uh, two stories that were built that was built in. So there was a second floor, which is where I lived on a third of it. The rest of it was mostly open space. And so it was, I don't know, closer to 2200 square feet of, you know, like room to put it on the floor, I guess. Uh, it had two plastic Windows, a giant Resner heater. One window looked into an alleyway and one window looked at the slaughterhouse across the street, uh, which in the summer was uh, uh, surrounded by a few slaughterhouses, part of a miserable stench that would (laughs) arise in the neighborhood. On hot days, most people wouldn't experience it too much because they'd be coming at night. Uh, When I moved in there, I moved in next to uh, Matthew and Heather, who lived down the hall. And they were also doing shows, but more in the techno realm of things. They would throw these raves and they would do theme parties. Uh, It was called Gut Space, I think, for a while or From the Gut. It was a cool little spot. And I moved in there after, uh, well, Dillow and I were living together in Ann Arbor and he was moving to Nepal. So I had to find a new place and I found this big empty concrete <laughs> box to live in. Well, let's 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 pause a second and and back up a little bit because I want to know how you even found this place. I think I had played at the space down the hall before and I know an old friend of mine had played there once before and we were kind of aware of those guys and someone yeah someone had just told me about it or I just I just found that it was owned at the time by a guy that owned like a vegetable like a produce distribution company that was in it was in the eastern market in Detroit which is on the weekend the farmer's market in Detroit 
That, that is where the location of Green Door was, mm-hmm. the Eastern Market. That is the name of the place. Yeah, all, a lot of the flyers say Eastern Market on it. I really enjoyed living in Eastern Market. It meant that there was always good food, snacks, fresh produce around. And it was a nice central area, you know, for going to some of the other venues in Detroit, going to, I don't know, something like the Magic Stick or whatever was just, you know, a few blocks away. It wasn't hard to, I wouldn't have walked there, especially not at that time, but Mm-mm. yeah. no. But you it can was, drive anywhere in Detroit because there weren't a lot of people on the road. Yeah, and you have absolutely. Our, our Hurt, too, the cute cheese shop. That was our fantastic. Hurt, uh, Rocky Peanut Company. Yeah, mm. there oh, was some great yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, I love those nuts. Great stuff in that neighborhood. Some nice restaurants. And again, yeah, Farmer's Market on the weekend, always a, a good time if you weren't too hungover after a Green Door show to make it down there in time. Or if you got there late, you know, Farmer's Market style, buy the clearance produce that they don't feel like driving home with. So, so I don't remember the exact thing, but I met with this weird guy and he showed me the place and I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And when I got the place, there was a green door, right? It was a green door with a uh, two way mirror. Is that the right term? One way mirror, you know, where like you, it was reflective on the outside, but you could see through it from the inside. You could see through out oh, wow. to the outside. Oh. And like an interrogation a, mirror. And there was a slot in the door. And what the neighbors had told me was that someone was just selling drugs out of there previously. And after I oh. moved out, it was also taken over by a drug dealer. Uh, so great, that great location. Make, that makes a lot of sense, actually. That definitely yeah. makes sense. It was a very, very raw area to the point where... It was recommended that you don't bother to lock your door to avoid getting your window smashed in. Yeah, that also was I think true uh, in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, also, I think on flyers I would put "Don't leave no shit in your car." Sometimes, like, yes. don't yeah. just yeah, don't. You're coming to a, a neighborhood in Detroit where you're incredibly likely to have your car broken into. Not as bad as some neighborhoods, but it definitely happened at Green Door. <laughs> Mine yeah, got broken def- into several times. Yeah, so it was a very raw area, and I don't remember if I if I had been there before the first show, but I do remember being like, "Oh wow!" And what when you went from living in a house in a suburban area to living in this giant concrete, semi sketchy zone i I mean what were you were you excited about that change were you were you a bit hesitant about that change because it's a pretty big change from where you lived right before yeah i'd never i would have been 26 at the time i'd never lived in like a loft warehouse whatever type space before and the place was uh yeah, pretty dirty. It's impossible to keep a space that big clean when it's just like steel eye beams and concrete above you and hastily constructed drywall surrounding you and mostly open and shitty windows that have no screens. It was just a, a weird, dirty spot. Not as dirty as a lot of warehouse spaces I've been to, luckily, but it was a big change from living in a house, even like kind of a punk house or whatever that was still relatively nice or at least felt kind of nice uh not nice i guess but it was a change from that and it was very strange the first few weeks because i didn't really set up anything i threw like 
my bed in the middle of the room in the, the big open room and just oh, wow. slept oh. in there. You know, he's still unpacking and whatever. So I didn't have I didn't have and the upstairs. I built uh, walls in this place for the to divide the upstairs. But when I moved in, there was no divider in the upstairs. It was all everything was open except for one closeted like the upstairs closet, which was above what the bathroom was on the on the lower floor that had a wall. And then there was a wall without a window, but there was like a hole cut in it for a window on one of the other rooms on the other in the other corner of the space. And there was one room that was maybe used as a dark room or something. It was painted entirely brown and had no windows at one point. Or, well, yeah, I never remember had that room. <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. I mean, I it's funny you even said there were windows because in my mind there weren't any windows. I don't even remember. Oh, and there the being windows. Just in general, I remember it being so dark in yeah, your room, I, and I was like, brilliant, because otherwise those would be too, way too bright. Well, I would have said sleep. if you would have asked me, did the green door have windows? I would have said absolutely not. There were no windows. I don't even remem- uh, I remember. I just windows. remember the darkness. You yeah, know? I mean, well, you were there at night most of the time. If well, not yeah, all true, the time. true, so, true. It was dark. There was not a, like a street light blasting, in, you know, right. in a in a rundown neighborhood. Oh man, it's it was definitely rundown. And so you're in this strange new territory. You're in an open room with your benches in the middle. Did you know right away that you wanted to do shows there? The whole reason I rented the place because we've right. been having shows at the house that Aaron and I had lived at. Yeah. Uh, I, the whole reason I got this space was because I could do shows. I, it was 2004, you know, had mine started 2002. I had done some trips out of town. I had been meeting a lot of people. I've been playing some more shows and getting, you know, more a part of the noise scene or whatever at the time. And I wanted to have shows. I, I knew for a fact that I wanted a space that I could have shows. And this was like a no rules, who cares type place where you could do whatever you want. And a lot of times we did. You know, there were a lot of shenanigans. There was a lot of freedom to to be rowdy. The Most of the people in the building, especially at that time, there was a tweaker that lived upstairs from me who didn't care ever about the noise. The people next to me were throwing parties. The only sort of respectable couple were across the hall and on a kind of a far side of the building. There was a guy that practiced uh, like Pixies bass riffs all the time in the middle <laughs> area uh, between us and, and the sort of more respectable couple. So every now and again, you would have to listen to some guy just playing the same damn bass riff for like four hours. But as the guy throwing noise shows, I'm not one to complain about it. <laughs> It's hard to explain to people that weren't in Detroit, like in the early 2000s, how, what it was like, because no one cared what you did. I mean, even like you drove everywhere. Public transportation was non-existent. There's no traffic. Police didn't wouldn't come to Eastern Market like no one cared. No one cared. We never had the cops show up at no. Green Door. I never I saw a cop. I think the fire department came once because people were shooting off fire extinguishers and it set off the fire alarms. Yeah. In like my space and the hallways. But the cops never came to Green Door in, in, you know, over two years of noise shows. And I started buying. I had some amps. I started amassing amps. So we had a wall of amps uh, along one of the outside walls that we would use for shows. Sometimes people would bring their own amps. It would get plenty loud. 
it wouldn't necessarily sound good, but it would get loud. <laughs> I mean, I could definitely say I don't recall the sound of any gig. I, I mean, to and to I be, remember it being really well, loud. loud. Just I, I mean, so many. I mean, amps. more of the so many amps. Yeah, I mean more of the quality. I don't recall it. Oh, it wasn't quality because it was bouncing off all that concrete. But I, I just remember because those were in in the years where I thought I would. I was like, why don't people just stand right in front of the amp? It's awesome. Uh, so I do recall standing in front of the wall of amps because I thought it felt awesome to to feel that. The show I it, remember most for the sound actually was about six months after I started doing Green Door, six, seven months after. So when we when we get there, we'll we'll talk about it. Well, I barely remember that there were other neighbors. I do remember the other like venue type yeah, the rave spots. Thing, I never yeah. went in there, but I remember them. But I don't recall a normal couple, and I certainly don't remember the bass player, but it also might have just been during the afternoon. I remember some people strolling up randomly, and they'd be like, hey, what's going on? Just like talking in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. To have shows, you know, the front door was locked, so you'd have to prop the front door open to get into the building, which, of course, some of the neighbors really hated. After a point, they were they were trying to make the building nice, like renovated loft spaces. So this uh, couple and one of their mothers had moved in on the fourth floor. I was on the second floor. And the guys, if you remember the guys that lived on the first floor, there was like the guys that worked on the building, the maintenance kind of guys. I don't remember. They would come to the shows. They were very uh, normal working class guys, but they they always wanted to hang out and get drunk with all the like young (laughs) people hanging out. It was really (laughs) some real adventures with those guys. But there was like a, an actual couple of normal human beings that moved into the building. Bizarre. They did not like us having shows and they did not like it being loud because they had to go to work in the morning and they had to do. So did I, you know, I was, I was working at the time too, but I didn't give it. I just go to work on a couple hours sleep, whatever. So, and when I look at their early shows too, most of the, the first six months was there were, Friday, Saturday, Sunday shows. So it was weekend ish. I mean, Sunday is not the best day for a show, but that was what that was what was happening. So it's a pretty strange and lawless building for the most of the time that I lived there. Uh, The other neighbors actually had access to the roof of the building next door through their window. They built like a little uh, ramp ladder thing. So you were hanging out in their space. They built some stairs up to their window and then you could go out and hang out on the roof of the building next door, which was always really nice. And I spent a lot of time over there, too. And I still talk to Heather, who lived there. Uh, okay, actually, I was just talking to her last week. So I never did that. I didn't know no. that there was roof yeah. access. I never went up on the roof. That sounds cool, though. You never went great. up on the roof of the whole building, too. So no. the building was, I want to say, seven stories tall, maybe. I lived on the second floor. After the fourth floor, it cut off. And there was a door at the top that you had to... Uh, pick the lock or Jimmy the lock. You could do it. You, the old credit card thing you see in movies of like, you could do that to this lock. So you would get into this unrenovated part of the building and it was a brewery. Originally there were 15 foot tall brew tanks. I remember this. Yes. Wow, I, don't, I, I do remember definitely this. Never went I went exploring. Yeah. There were corrugated yeah. steel walls that they had been like a uh, blow torched out. They, I recorded weird 
like reverb field recording kind of stuff in some of these giant brew tanks that had just been cut open enough to drain out whatever they needed to before they'd finally remove them. And then the stairs heading up there were were completely corroded. It was like rebar and loose concrete hanging on. And it was, it was dangerous. You had to like hop open holes in a falling apart concrete stairwell to continue going up or down the stairs. And we would do this and go up there. And when we got up to the top the first time, there's a fucking barbecue grill up there. Like someone else no had way, been up really? there hanging oh out God. on the actual roof of the building. And the owner, at some point, the owner got pissed about people going up there. But we used to go up there and hang out. Fourth of July or something, you go up to the roof. It was awesome. Uh, but it was it was the sort of thing that was incredibly dangerous because it was not renovated. So all of the stuff was the metal was rusted. The concrete was falling apart and it felt very genuinely dangerous, like some some urban exploration type shit. Once you went above the fourth floor, that's like some industrial shit right there. Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a cool, weird building. It might, it might only be six stories. I'm really I'm having a trouble trying to picture it now. But yeah, I think there was a smaller room up top that was sort of how you got out to the roof. But yeah, a really weird industrial building. It's a beautiful building from the outside, brick, really nice. But there's a early field recordings. Some of the earliest kind of field recording or site recording stuff I would do would be in the, the like the fifth floor where they would have been cutting out the the walls and the brew tanks. So crazy. I just I, I it's my memory is so narrow about it that in my mind. <laughs> Green door was the literal only room in that entire building. I I have <laughs> mm-hmm. no real memory of even, I mean, yeah, the outside, I guess, but I don't know. But I think it's this thing too, where just like you, Mike, like I, I would, if you ask me how long I was there, I would be like, I don't know, seven, eight years. Totally. Like it feels like that long. And also we were just at that perfect mindset and age. We had, were pretty fresh in Michigan where it was just like, oh, this is normal. You know what I mean? Like, this is what you do. This totally makes absolute sense. Why would you lock your doors? Of course you go to places where people get angry and smash your window. If you even would lock your door like a jerk, you know what I mean? It it made total sense and we never questioned it. And that was just kind of the mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And the first show was on your birthday or the birthday birthday. Now. So the first show is laundry room squelchers. In 2004, wh- how did that, was that, did you know you wanted to do a show on your birthday for the first show or did it just coincidentally come up? It just happened. Rat happened to be coming through and I said, that's my birthday and hence Birthday Destroyer was born and it was, it became a tradition when where Rat would come to town around this time and play at Green Door and it would be my birthday party, which would go horribly most of the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I was a big part of uh, it going horribly the first time. Again, I, I live with many regrets of some of my actions uh, in those days. You know, I think antics is a good word. Sure, sure, sure. And it just shit that I would never do now or I couldn't even see I, it feels like a different person. But again, I mean, it, I mean, we're talking now 20, almost 20 years ago. So, you know, it, if you haven't evolved in 20 years, it'd be very strange, but yeah, that one, we, we basically took all your dried goods out of your cabinets and just started throwing them everywhere. A lot of spaghetti. I, I 
Yeah, stuff I had just bought, by the way, to like yeah. live 100%. in my new We apartment. just literally <laughs> raided your cereal, food and pasta, rice, whatever, any kind of like packaged foods it, I had were just annihilated. Also, I had gotten a, a keg. keg. I had rented yeah, a, yeah. a you know, full-size keg for this party from one of the breweries in Detroit. Uh, a thing I would do semi-regularly, and sometimes uh, they were not stoked to see me because I would get lazy and just like not take the keg back for X amount of time, and it would get all gnarly. But I rented a keg, so I had to buy the stuff to for the keg, like throwing it in a bucket of ice. Well, as the keg got emptier and the night got crazier, uh, not only was food dumped everywhere, which the food, you know, pasta gets wet, and then it gets... yeah. And then it dries Slippery. and it just it became cement on oh. the floor of that place that Such I had to chisel asshole. off. But also the keg water got dumped out at one yeah. point onto yes. uh I was playing in the laundry room squelchers that night as I don't know, part of my birthday. I done I played in the squelchers before at the No Fun Fest. And so I was playing in the squelchers as uh, part of my birthday celebrations and it uh yeah, keg water got dumped. The Ugh. trash cans got upturned. Like the yep. house, it was birthday destroyer was a fitting name because everyone got uh quite drunk and unruly and trashed my place. And uh, totally, it took an entire month before I had another show there. <laughs> now, but now, now, get, walk us through your feeling because yes, it got totally insane. It got completely trashed. But, not, not the last time. Definitely the first. Right, right, right. But yeah. Not the but, last. But in that moment, in those years, in that early years, in the insanity of those of those early years, were you like, what was your level of pissed offness to level of like, well, that's that's just the vibe. I yeah, I'd played in gnarly spaces before. I'd had gnarly shows before. Uh, I know you and I did a collab set in the old basement where like I had a huge like giant six inch bruise and like gash in my side from a table breaking when we, we were playing. Did, uh, we did gate to gate. Yeah. Yeah. And someone smashed oh, the wow. light bulb. So we were just in pitch black. Oh, that's that, right. I remember that. So like that wasn't the craziest. I mean, it was crazy, but it wasn't the craziest. But this time it was thing. It was my space. Even though you did live at, at at that house, this was now a hundred percent your yeah, my space. and your nice. stuff. Well, I felt like at that show you kind of went full circle. Like you were initially really pissed, and then you got over and stopped caring by the end of the night. I think that's how it went, and then maybe the next day it sucked again. But it, yeah. it, you know, I bear no grudge. <laughs> well, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be weird show. too. Yeah, but I mean, uh, but I was, do. I, it was crazy and it was supposed to be yeah. it was a birthday destroyer right it was supposed to be uh uh one hell of a show and it was it was <laughs> i think really we took unhinged. it too literally and yeah. and i think and, and and especially at that time the idea of the squelchers and what a squelcher uh -huh. show is going to be was going to be out of control yes so absolutely. it all fed into just that time again we're talking 2004 we were all just young and explode, dumb and ready yeah. to go insane. Yeah, that was definitely, I'm remembering now that you're talking about, it's insane how the memories come flooding back, but that was yeah. definitely not the only time the trash can got thrown yeah. all over the room. No, Because no. I'm remembering cleaning it up many times. Tara, you were always and always will be the one who will, you will get crazy, 
but then you will help clean up. I will up. clean up after myself. You will definitely help clean up. But I, I just, the that attitudes one was we had in one then, night, though. That was so crazy. Yeah, just the <laughs> attitudes we had about things then, you know, again, it's, you look back on it and, and you obviously would never, that's just not how you would operate or act now. But in the moment, it was how we all were. We were just crazy. We were just, the, the crazier, the better. But crazy yeah. was like this aesthetic kind mm-hmm. of. And it was, it's, you know, I guess that's just rite of passage stuff. Everyone has those those times. But man. I, I would say also ugh. when I moved in, the place was a, a, a shithole. The place was not, it got nicer the longer I lived there. I think we thought of it that way and that you even presented it that way or we just assumed you felt the same way where it's like, oh, I'm in this place to have shows and it's kind of trashy so we can just go crazy. But I thought it was great. Like by the last, you know, the end of your time there, Gray, like you had it pulled together. Like the bathroom was clean. It was nice. I mean, it got destroyed during shows many times. But like I, I, I thought it was a great space. Yeah, it definitely got, again, nicer as we live there. We cleaned the place up a lot. We did a fair amount of, like I said, I built some walls in there to separate the space. Uh, the floor when I moved in had like a layer of grease on it yeah. that would get picked up on your socks if you walked around in there. So oh, scrubbing and my, it was, like I said, it was a nasty spot when I moved in. It was not uh, really fit for uh, like a, hu- you know, human habitation. No, it was fit for apparently a drug dealing operation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Both before and after. <laughs> And maybe maybe some dark room nasty business too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, drug dealer with a side of a uh, amateur photographer or something. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you know. Hand so in hand. It was uh it was a very yeah, having to clean up after that first gig sucked, but it didn't really deter me from doing shows. Like I said, it, it was there was about one a month for the first stretches. It kind of got known. So that first show being Squelcher's second show being wooden one on the vanishing voice and son of earth, which is a, a so weird, a <laughs> funny one after a birthday destroyer. Cause then yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. everybody's sitting on the floor. Different. <laughs> Maybe you were testing the waters for having shows there. Like, can we have a normal show yeah. and not destroy the place? I Let's remember find that out. one ruling, but then we fast forward a, another month and Prurient, Crank Sturgeon, Emil Bolio, and Aaron yes. Dilloway. And that and I remember that show being crazy. And that was also the uh the it was the crank Prurient Bolio tour. And they were I think they did like two or three shows. And I remember that one being particularly crazy. I remember Crank set being particularly crazy. And then just seeing getting to see Bolio again. This was so 2004 in a lot of ways was pivotal for us in that that was really when hair police started touring heavily. I mean, our first tour was very long, but this is when we started doing a lot more touring and, and the tours became a little, not necessarily, I'm not saying easier, but it was easier to get shows. I guess I want to say, yeah. as opposed to like the first tour, but that's when we did hair police and Purina toured earlier that year. The first no fun was earlier that year. And then Bolio starts coming through a lot. So this is, uh, this was a great time and Dom was coming through a lot and, 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 and this was a really cool time where we were seeing people multiple times out of the year and it was just, it was a cool time. 
It, absolutely. It was a, it was a really good and influential time for me. And when you're doing a venue like this and you're also starting to play some shows out, I went on my first tour, like right after moving into this space, you get, you get, you meet a lot of people and you, and you meet people from all over different places. So a lot of people that would be hitting me up for shows would have been someone who set up a show for me in X or Y town. Right. So that's part of the curation of green door was meeting these people becoming more a part of a scene and booking shows for them, which is a very important thing and very important part of the community to to do. And it felt really nice having a place that people you could reciprocate someone hosting you. Uh, nowadays, sometimes I look at these shows and I wouldn't probably set up that show now, <laughs> but oh, yeah, de- no, definitely. There's a lot of stinkers, uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but and I I've talked about this a lot this year that idea of back then. And I and it's it's something I'm critical about. It what is what is that that feeling of of the that that social element that bled into some choices that we all made with either releases or shows, et cetera. And it was just part of it at the time. And again, I'm saying that 20 years later, looking back, I'm not exactly. saying that in the moment, right? I, I'm saying that as history goes down, but I don't think we'd also- be here now if it weren't for then, right? That's, that's part of what we've done and what's made us who we are and where we are. So I don't regret any of that, but I can clearly see like that was because they set me up with a show and gave me a place to crash. And that was, and this was a reciprocation. Right. And, and I think that's fine. I think that's a totally fine way to operate when you're getting started out. This is, Again, I I wasn't no one cared about any of that stuff back then. I had a few people that liked what I did and I and I was kind of just getting my label going for a, you know, a couple of years and so this was a an important step for me and it, and I I do value that. But yeah. there has to have been times and even a stretch of times where you even if it was a show you liked, you had to have gotten to a point where you were getting very burned out on it. I, I experienced in a, in a short period of time, several periods of burnout. Yeah. Of well, so I said, like I said, we, we keep yeah. joking, but I would have, I would have said green door didn't have any windows and green door existed for five to six to seven years. I would have a hundred percent said that. So in this short period of time, Look, it's so many shows. I mean, there are so many shows and it's in your living space. It got really exhausting. And here's the thing. You don't want people coming to your house, which is a shitty loft warehouse venue. And it looking like shitty, like how do these people live here? Like, that's at least a feeling I even had back then. So you try to clean up before a gig, you know, maybe maybe the place was kept relatively clean, but it was like. A few dudes living there who were not right. the cleanest people on the planet. And so you you live at this space. You want it to be nice. And then you have a show and it's a fucking wreck <laughs> the next yeah. day. Mm-hmm. And then you just cleaned yesterday. You just spent or whatever, like the three days ago, because you knew the show was coming. You just spent all this time, like putting things away and trying to make it nice. And now it's a fucking wreck again. And how much motivation do you have to to clean that up again? The the joke I used to make about Green Door is like it was it was big. It was a big space. Yeah, it was really yeah. big. If you made a mess, you could just put it in a pile in the middle of the floor and walk around it. 
you didn't have to deal with it at all. You could just avoid whatever mess you made. It didn't matter. <laughs> if there was a pile over there in that corner and, a, and some broken shit over here, it didn't matter. It, it really sweep was it to like, the side. I remember at one point we brought up a four foot by eight foot piece of like, like two mil thick steel and just had it in the spot, like leaning against the wall. Why? I don't know. Well, you know, plate reverb, I guess, but, or just a big steel sheet to bang on. But there was just so much of that kind of stuff where it just didn't matter. You could just, you could just have a mess and you could avoid it. And it, it was a thing. And the kind of trash can you use in a space like that is one of those big, like 55, whatever, 60 gallon rubber made mm-hmm. things. That's your, that's your garbage can at this place. It's not a nice, how did you take out the garbage? There wasn't an elevator, right? I mean, you were only on the second floor. There's a there was a freight elevator. Okay, that was a pain in the ass to use and didn't work most of the time. Uh, and if someone left it, you had to have a key for it. Which yeah, I was gonna say, didn't got. somebody get stuck in that? And if you if you left it, if you left it on a floor, you couldn't call it. You had to you had to go up to that floor and get into the elevator and ride it back down. So it was oftentimes more work to go up to the fourth floor to get in the freight elevator, to ride it down to the second floor to take the trash. Like I know I would just walk the trash down or throw it out the window. Uh, oh, wow. When we moved out, there was, like I said, one window faced a slaughterhouse, one window faced an alleyway. And when we moved out, a lot of stuff just got thrown into the alleyway out the alleyway window. <laughs> Anything That's... that would fit out the alleyway window, a TV <laughs> that I didn't feel like moving, but I didn't want to leave in the space out the window. Oh well, my God. What? So <laughs> it, it's funny because just right now I realize I never pictured you actually just living there. <laughs> so, so what was, what was it like to live in this giant loft venue that with their, you know, there, I mean, obviously there was a kitchen and, and, and all that sort of stuff, but like, what, I don't know. Like what, what did you, what, what was it like actually just living in it? So I had my stuff on the second floor. So my bedroom was on the second floor initially with a privacy curtain because uh, I had taken on a roommate uh, and then I built a wall, but that took, uh, I think a year before the wall got built and this, the other, there was a closet side. So I just had a closet there with a bunch of crap in it. And then there was uh, another side that I used as like my office slash studio. So I had, my computer and recording setup up there all my pedals and everything just lived in this other room. And I, I have a hard time remembering the early days. I kind of remember it mostly as the setup. We had it till the end, which was if you walked in, it was, it was wider than it was deep if you're looking. So if you spread your arms right. out, it was like mm-hmm. further to, you know, to the walls or whatever. And to the left side, there was the corner was a kitchen. And then the other corner that was against the bathroom and kind of the, uh, half of the kitchen was where we'd set up a couple couches, a uh, coffee table. Yeah. Uh, I had my like CD collection over there. Something I would uh, later very seriously regret. Yes. And we'll talk about that. an yep. entertainment center with like TV and stereo turntable, that stuff. And that was, that's kind of the classic way I remembered it. And we would have, we would have people over. Uh, we would hang out with the neighbors. Sometimes we'd watch movies. We had, like some ratty hide-a-bed couch that we'd gotten from somewhere so people could crash on it. And yeah, I, my memories of actually living there are as or more foggy than my memories of having, of doing the shows because it was, I was going to work. I was coming home. 
I was making noise. I was doing some contradiction, screen printing or whatever. And also, you know, these are just the shows that were happening at my place at the time. There were shows elsewhere. There were shows at Detroit Art Space or, you know, these kind of places. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was also like uh, plenty of going out or going to hang out. And I, yeah, I think when I first moved in there, it was really dark. I I didn't really enjoy living there, but I knew it had a a potential to the point where I actually enjoyed living there kind of at the end, but the building itself and the doing shows was running me down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And there was a lot of drinking. I think uh, I really embraced alcohol at that point. Yeah. I mean, we Uh, were all very much in that zone. Yeah. There was a, maybe some some anxiety uh medicine abuse going alongside the alcohol which was when i think about it now quite terrifying because it was it was uh, pretty heavy and pretty dark and i think that that was part of coping with dealing with that space like it was it, just a miserable thing yeah definitely by the end and definitely looking at 2006 things started the darkness was creeping in and getting darker uh, fairly quickly and the darkness would be the it would start washing pretty quickly but a, in a well what i thought at the time was more of a light-hearted darkness and it turned out it was just annoying and we've talked about this before but just to have it on this episode this is where the prank that when the idea of pranks or shenanigans were definitely more prominent and something I would never, ever do it again. But yeah, this was, there was a handful of shows where those CDs that were out by the TV and set, you know, in the corner of the room, I Cause was, we would always just like sit on that little couch and like, you know, read Gray's books and magazines. I and thought all I that was stuff. being really, really funny and switching the CDs in the cases. Right. So take out a Merzbah CD, take out uh, a Basana CD, just using those as examples, switching them. But then I would then well, I wish it were that simple. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. That was the, that would be the simple thing. And then starting to get thinking it was funny for the ones that more that didn't have a, you, it was harder to tell what CD it was switching these doing all. And again, just thought it was being the funniest guy in the world. And that shit is so lame of me. It's one of my biggest it's I, I, I will sometimes, you know, middle of the night, you think of the thing you said to a teacher in first grade and you get the, and you get the cringe. That's something I literally think about is like the, like that is Anyone who would have who is who would have met me in the past ten years or so would be like that. Li- nothing about that lines up with how I would operate. Mm-hmm. But back then, it seemed fine, and I literally will. That's a thing I'll think of in the middle of my bed. God, why did I do that? It was so lame of me. And then when, I mean, yeah, and then like, I, I thought it was so like, oh, this is funny. But then the, the idea of like how fucking annoying that must have been. Yeah, the funny part was like irritating and inconveniencing your friend. And I think that, you know, we had that little mischievous streak in us when we couldn't tell the difference between being assholes and playing and it being funny, you know, yeah, totally. And it, it was just, that was just like a total I, asshole. I bet move. though, there'll still be a CD you open and it happens. I bet it, I bet it'll still happen. It, it's entirely possible. There might be some stuff I haven't even listened to in, in 20 years. That's that you did a little swap on. But 
I think some of that stuff, you know, I sold a chunk of my collection when I moved from so maybe it Michigan to, to LA. Else. So, it's, so someone else maybe <laughs> bought a CD that was just not the CD that they thought they were getting. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but again, again, talking about trashing the plays, talking about doing this prank type stuff. It really, I mean, it was the atmosphere at the mm-hmm. time, and we were all in this just crazed, but, like anything goes sort of thing. But you know, but you we all have places like, oh, that you could God, trash. Like even thinking about like where we lived. Like I mean, we lived like that, those first Michigan years above like meth lab you know what i mean like it was crazy yeah like that, well, yeah. that place was terrible well, and even like we talked about in, in the, <laughs> so all of us were like of course you can trash our places our places are terrible well yeah and we talked about in in the episode talking about our days in lexington the place we lived where we'd throw the bottles against the yeah. walls and stuff so so again it, it was, was going to be torn down that, soon who cares it's definitely a thing of youth yeah and maybe even youth a little later for some of us, like we were, we were in our mid twenties. Like that, yeah. that's not that. Like, like we weren't fifteen. So, like you know, no. maybe we were, we were maybe a little too old to be that uh, disregarding of your space. Yeah, but you know, these but are I these was are also the... disregarding of my space. Uh, See, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I kicked holes in the wall. Uh, yeah. At that place, yeah. I would break bottles. I didn't light off any uh, bottle rockets, but other people were that lighting off fireworks happen. in the space. Uh, we that was a... my line. I, I when that <laughs> happened, I was like, "This is too far." Like that was that was where I dug my heels in, and I was like, "Nope." Somebody could lose yeah. an eye. And there Part were of the fights. Caught fire. There were fights. Yeah. I was so mad. Oh. Uh, we got a smoke machine at some point, which was a fucking horrible idea and <laughs> uh, should never ever have happened. Uh, Halloween shows. I know we would we would run the smoke machine. Well, you know, a lot of shows. Any excuse to turn on a fog machine, really. Still goth at heart. I love I love the smoke machine. <laughs> but filling up that space with smoke with two tiny windows and no ventilation and no fans and no air conditioning to push anything around meant it just hung in the air for hours, hours. Oh, and then you run a strobe light and then Tara almost passes out and has to crawl under a table and puke into a cup for an hour. You, so. That did happen. Yes. So, if anybody wants to make me barf out there, get fog and strobe, put them together and trap me in it. And I mean, you've definitely surefire way to puke. You've definitely gotten better with that sort of thing. Yeah. But at that time, at yeah, that time, was, I was really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was, was, it crazy. was I would I I will say that by the end of it, I was kind of I was literally hiding under the table and, and it was kind of funny at that point. So uh, I'm going to talk about a couple shows that I really love more than yeah. just the misery of living there. Oh, really? We got to talk about no more misery. OK, well, uh, I guess. I mean, the prurient crank bolio yeah, show with Dillaway on it was uh, just fantastic. Bloody Minded came yeah. through numerous times, one of which we all went to see Bauhaus and they stayed yeah. over and played a show, which was really cool. Now, what I don't remember is, was that the next day? Yeah. Yeah. I believe it was it the, wasn't the, the same day before night. or the day after. No, I don't think it was the same night. Yeah. Yeah. And Bauhaus was incredible. Yes. And that I, that one I remember. That was, was that the good. first time Bloody Minded played? Second, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And weren't I they that, standing on the amps? I just remember people standing oh, on amps Peter's and leather pants. Peter was hanging from the, yeah. the ventilation ductwork, and yeah. stuff got broken. I think Ed was in my oven at some points. 
at a bloody minded show. <laughs> that sounds right. Yes, yes, such a good yes. show. That I was remember such that. A good I, show. I had no memory of that until you said that. But that I just remember leather definitely... pants in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the Birchville Cat Motel show, January two thousand five, with Howard Stelzer and Donna Parker. Birchville Cat Motel made the crappy, shitty speakers we had sound like a million dollars and completely filled the room with dense and beautiful drone. That is the one show I remember where I was like, this sounds good. How does this sound good? This has never sounded good. I've been here six <laughs> months. This has never sounded good. How is it sounding good awesome. today? <laughs> oh, January in Detroit, man. It must have just been cold as shit. Oh my God. That's and we would wear our coats. I mean, in Detroit, like you don't, it's like oh, South yeah. Park. You don't take your coat off at a yeah. show. It's cold. John Weiss, Kant, Emil Bolio. Uh, Connelly, you played that one too in February. Oh, that was with Bolio? Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. How do yeah, we yeah. drive on those snowy ass roads out there? Because Detroit doesn't plow. Nope. They only it's plow the insane. roads to the mayor's house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking about seeing Ron a lot. February 12th, Ron played Emil Bolio. And March 9th, Emil Bolio's Sickness and Carl Heinz played. So. That's not even a month. Not even. Wow. He was 31 ah, days just later. going nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Ron right. I remember back. that. Uh, Sleeping with the Earth, who I will be releasing a CD by and bloody minded uh, February 24th of that year. So so that that was when really. So this is 2005, 2005. Third organ also played February of 2005. Ah, was yeah. John Weiss, wow. Cantamil Bolio, Emil Bolio, Sickness, Carl Heinz. Sleeping with the Earth. Oh, no. That, sorry. That one was March 9th. Uh, but Sleeping with the Earth, Bloody Minded. And then also Third Organ played was on Valentine's the, yeah, when, Day in when February. When you picked him up on the, from the, in the bus From the stop. train station. Yeah. Or the bus station. Yeah. But so that's when things were really going. Now, were you, were you turning shows down or were you just kind of accepting pretty much most people that were hitting you up? No, I turned shows down. I turned plenty of shows down. Uh, one that I remember is we'd gotten written up in the, the, I don't even remember the name of the magazine now, the like Detroit rag, whatever it was, you know, not jam rag, mm -hmm. which is actually a thing in Detroit, but Metro times. Was it the Met Metro times? That there feels was a right. Metro times. That feels yeah. right. Yeah. We got written up in the Metro times about like being an underground show space. And then I started getting like bigger people like, Oh really? The basis from Fugazi's booking agent contacted me to book a show there. I so, oh my God. I don't remember that article or remember that being a thing. Yeah. It, it was, it, it was a weird thing where I started getting hit up by like bigger people for shows. And I was like, no, this is not that venue. You, you go play somewhere else. Did you get interviewed for that or did it just happen? You know, they asked some questions, but it wasn't like a big, yeah. long thing. It was like someone who was coming to shows was writing for them or, you know, contributing something. Yeah, it was a weird it was a weird thing that happened. Uh, and I think Detroit Art Space had closed around that time. Uh, Gold Dollar had closed like before I started doing shows at the space. So there were less spaces for this type of music. You know, we were, there were just wasn't spots you could book shows like this really for a while. So it was definitely a place that was doing these, these kind of shows that people would hit me up for. Uh, you know, that was January, February, March in May of 2005. Kazumoto Endo played at behind the green that, door. See, that so I cool. definitely don't remember, but I was, Oh, if it was May 2005, I was definitely on tour. Yeah. 
Uh, and then in June, that's 2005, crazy. Wait, what? What? That <laughs> when was he? he I he guess through with a trio: A D C D A C, which was uh, Kazumoto Endo, Kazuya Ishigami, and Tetsuya Miyazaki. And then he and also played a solo set. Two thousand five. Yeah, crazy. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Early uh, climax denial and Vertonin gig. I remember the Vertonin gig. We're definitely yeah. there. Always, there were a couple of Vertonin gigs Blake. actually. Blake oh, came okay, through yeah. a few well, times. Okay, yeah. I definitely saw him well, there at least once or twice so much so that i probably owe him a public apology because i thought he was the one switching my cds because See, he was like did. going through my cd collection well and looking at stuff and and i thought and then later i was like when i found some of the cds that were switched i was like did fucking blake do that i'm pretty sure i, I i'm pretty sure we actually did this all on the oh, episode I think, we so had blake yeah, on. Maybe. I think we did do this but again <laughs> just to have it all on the green door episode but yes, yes that is true and yeah. we and we when you thought that it must have which been the funniest the thing ever. Which is also the weirdest thing because it's like again, like why, Blake. That's crazy. That's like on. That's not. Yeah, why like, would you anyway. think your Why would you think your buds would do it? But, though, but I remember when you for what. I, God, when I you, mean, when that's I also remember true. you thinking that and then being like, "Oh yes!" Like again, it, off it's the hook. awful. I hate myself. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I was off the hook, and then I remember when we did tell you. And you weren't definitely weren't psyched. Like it wasn't like, oh, cool, it was you. Yeah, <laughs> was I think like, I was pissed for like a good minute about it. Maybe you still are. I would be. No, yeah, no, no, I you, get it. You it's... can't be it. I don't. I I would unallow that. Actually, uh, Hoto played November two thousand five. Yep. That was a fun I show. I remember, I remember we all went out for Maybe. dinner to an Italian restaurant before. Except Matthew Bauer had just gotten a new like flanger pedal and he wanted to stay back and play with it so he was just at green door with plugged into the amps jamming through like <laughs> some like biphase or whatever kind of like flanger That's really I, do, I do remember I like this that. i do i was i was definitely at that show yeah yeah i do yeah, the that. uh the bloody minded baja show is november of 2004 2005 right? oh 2005 oh wow yeah. crazy that was with wolf eyes so you played that one yeah, and and I see. I would have said I saw Bios in two thousand four. So see, like that's what I'm telling you. Like these years are so they they just pile on each other, and I and it's hard for me to distinguish those years because I've actually told people a million times that I saw Bios in two thousand four. Apparently, <laughs> it was two thousand five. Yeah. Prurient, uh air conditioning and FFH in yes, September two thousand six. So this is a little bit a little bit later. So so. 2006 that you said that was in September. Yeah. So, so this has got, now we're going We're you're over two years at the green door. You've been yeah. living there. You've done a million shows. You probably also feel that you probably also feel pressure to do the shows. Right. I mean, like you said, you did say no, but there has to have been times, even a cool show that you said yes, because you felt that if you didn't do it, there was going to be no, no other place to do it for sure. You got the now you got to start the burnout has to be kicking in because there's there's not much longer. There's not much longer. I mean, October was the end. There may have been something after October. I'm not sure. It's not on the show list. And I don't remember exactly when I moved out. But it was definitely it had run its course. And there was a string of shows that. 
It, it, not not at the tail end. I mean, the tail end, like the the final show, was pretty pretty killer with Sixes and Mammal and Dillaway. Like that was a fun show, and I think Sixes is actually staying with us for a while. Yeah, because around that. because he was on that, tour with Wolf Eyes, right? We, so he so that we 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 did uh we re, we had the genius realization that oh when you live in the middle of the country you don't need to do entire long tours you can break it up and and so he stayed with you in that yeah middle time for like it was like three weeks or so that we that we realized oh we don't have yeah to we saw a lot of him for a while it's fun do that yeah 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 but that so, but so that was near the end though yeah yeah that was that was that's the last show i mean that october 2006 was the last show at least on the on the archive show page i can find which also says forthcoming shows never again green door yeah yeah so that i mean it says that on there never again i guess what do you recall a little bit where you were at mentally with the green door and living there and you know you have said never again you were feeling that way do you do you recall those feelings yeah, I was living in a, a rundown shithole in the winter in Detroit, and I was sick of it. And uh, there was a I don't know if it was the last show. But I do remember uh, maybe taking some mushrooms and having a really bad time and deciding uh, this maybe happened a couple times at Green Door, but having a really bad time and deciding that I just did not want to do this anymore. Reality creeping through and being like, this sucks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, just because it was it was so much work prepping for and cleaning up after shows in my house. And I wanted to just live in my house. And I I think that we didn't do shows for a stretch before moving out. I think it was, it ended and there were some months with just nothing before I left that place. But I don't remember. I don't, it's, it all blurs together. Like you said, you would have thought like seven years, like I don't remember I yeah, would not have said 2006 was the end, but then you did move back to Ann Arbor after that, right? That was, you moved. Yeah. In, right? That was, that was yeah, the I next moved, move for I you. Moved, I moved Which in, you I did moved to Ann Arbor. a handful of shows, but way more minimal. Yeah. Very private friends only shows. Not invite. I don't yeah. think there was a name. There was no the name. Place. Yeah. There was no yeah, name. Yeah. And there were just a handful so was, of shows in the basement. Uh, it was only meant for just having a few friends over and doing something. It was really not what I was doing. And that comes off of the back of running a a space that was largely public. So also you're dealing with, I mean, not public, but I would make flyers. We would announce the shows. People I didn't know would show up at my fucking house. And sometimes they would steal things or try to steal things. Sometimes they would break things. Sometimes they would be assholes. Totally. Yep. And I got really tired of that. Really, really run down people. I remember catching a guy trying to steal an issue of Cinema Sewer once from my house because some girl told him to, he said. And I was just like, get the fuck out of here. And I kicked him out. But yeah, I'm watching this guy trying to tuck something I own into his fucking pants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, dude, what are you fucking doing? So it was definitely a very frustrating time. And it, you know, it can only get worse right it once oh, you're definitely once you're sick it, of yeah. it you're only sick of it there's no fixing yeah. that i've realized that once you're done you're done and so i was done um 
Yeah. But like, you know, had mock Dracula and cadaver and drag through when we, I went on tour with them. That was a really fun. There was some, so many good times, a lot of birthday oh, sure, destroyers sure. that were really fun. Uh, I'm looking at the show list now and realizing that there was a birthday destroyer in 2006 where I collaborated with climax denial. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't know. Sure. Uh, I don't remember that. Uh, it sounds like it was probably fun. I probably got a keg for that one too. Uh, yeah, a spine scavenger played. So maybe a, I don't remember spine scavenger really doing shows. <laughs> so I mean, look again, again. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of blur for a number of reasons from back then that we forget a lot of this for stuff. a number of reasons. But you know, I I like to remember the excitement in the air and just. Like, I only think back as like this just chaotic fun. And, you know, maybe, yes, there were shows that shouldn't have happened. But again, I'm going to instead choose to remember the spirit of generosity that was in the air, you know, and our and our willingness to, like, try something new. Well, and, and the just like we keep talking about these chaotic times when we were in it for a, a bit of it, it was just part of it and in in a in this euphoric way it, it, the you know darkness is going to follow mm-hmm. but when you're riding that chaotic wave before it breaks it is i mean it's great and, and i feel that most people go through that in some way whether yeah. or not it's you know like i didn't go through that in in high school and so maybe that was why my earlier 20s were mm-hmm. more that and you know, and just like we talked about the Lexington show, that those, the 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 chaos and the just not really thinking, in a good way, when you're young and when you're starting and all this stuff is starting and happening and everything's really going and and Ron's coming through all the time and all these tours are coming through and we're meeting people that we'd been corresponding with. That excitement was there, and Green Door was a big part of that in Detroit. I mean, there was no yeah. other really place that had that for shows period for the for noise shows you know there once in a while like you said there'd be something at a, at a different place but it wasn't the green door shows were the there you couldn't replace them and the excitement and chaos and freedom of those shows is something that we didn't have after that period. There wasn't, yeah. there really wasn't a replacement for green door after that's why I would have said it went longer because any other thing was someone's house a couple times yeah. or mm-hmm. a house way too many times. That was very filthy. Or just a basement that we all just kind of didn't want to go into again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, but truly like, I, I think that just like with, with experimental music, like there aren't, many passive spectators you know like everybody feels like they're a part of it everybody's creating something and it was really exciting and you know you had lots of different characters and lots of different colorful characters and it was just so fun and it's and it's unexpected chaos but also like you know willingness to help yeah it it all blended into this crazy time that we can't all- be recaptured and definitely you know, we we wouldn't be able to or want to now. But back then, when when it was happening, it was you know, you took it on. If you didn't take it on, I don't know what it would yeah. have been. You know, right? And it felt like my duty in part. It really did feel like a thing that I 
had to do. I was really compelled to do this space and to host these shows. And there were a lot of shows where we haven't even touched on, uh, you know, a, a quarter of them or something less than that. There's so many shows. <clears throat> also having a space with a wall of amps that I could record things at, at full volume and do whatever I wanted was a very nice thing that I, well, I'd had basements before and stuff, but it just, this space was different and the amount of amps I had amassed were diff was different, but it was a really important thing. And I, I think you're right. There was nothing that kind of filled that void after and maybe for the best <laughs> in a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, the, it's natural, right? The freedom and lawlessness of the space and of my attitude towards it. It just didn't matter. I mean, when I rented the place, I was told I could do whatever I wanted within its walls. Like in terms of yeah. knocking something down, it wasn't it wasn't precious space. The guy who owned it had plans to renovate and rent them out to like the people I was talking about on the fourth floor, which their place was nice. I, w I went up there once, uh, I probably a couple times actually to, to talk to them or just tell them that uh, I'm sorry that you moved here, but we have shows. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. they they were not happy about it. But their space was nice and renovated. My space was not. My space was a total mess, and I continued to let it be a mess as long as uh, it seemed like it was fun. And when it stopped being fun and when it started being dark and miserable and taking a lot more effort than I felt like I was getting back, it was time to quit. I'm very certain that that's why the archive show page I have here says never again on it because <laughs> – I was I was sick of it. I was done with it. I had to stop. I had to stop. It would have been detrimental to my mental health if I hadn't stopped. No, absolutely. Uh, so what advice would you give someone who lives in a place that also does shows? Just move? Depends on how you feel about it and how separate your space is. If you have a separate space to do shows, that's great. And I would uh, think that that's a nice thing. But ha when you're having shows in your house, you can't you can't go to bed early. You can't like go, you know, you, you, you're you there and responsible for this thing. The shows were five bucks. We never kept any money from a single show. All of the money went to the bands. Uh, if we sold beer or did whatever, that money went to you know pay back the beer and then to the bands like i was always in the service of trying to give people a space and having been on tour and knowing how much it could suck uh when you go play somewhere and you, you leave with nothing we always tried to make it good for the people that were coming through that didn't always work out because i'm looking at some of these shows where they were like back to back in like three days there was a show three days after a birthday destroyer no, oh. one, no one came to that show. Everyone yeah, was still no. hung over. Like no yeah, one came to that yeah, show. Yeah. So we tried really hard to to make stuff good. You know, I'm having more memories even just looking at this stuff. We had Justice Yeldum and Dave Phillips play uh, in March of 2005. I had to uh, air quotes borrow a projector from work so we could show Dave's video while he performed. <laughs> that would have been when they were in town for no fun. Yeah, it was. It was. So just looking at some of these shows, it's just so nice to remember some of these times. And I haven't even mentioned, you know, all the fun ones, but I, I can't. There's, there's just too much good. And also, you know, a good, a good smattering of bad. And there are shows that just didn't land or 
shows I wouldn't ever think to book again. If someone emailed me offering me that package right now, I'm like, no. <laughs> Talk to see if Connolly wants to book it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I'm a big booker. We're, <laughs> over here, we're, we're, we're booking all the shows. <laughs> I certainly send people your way, right? If someone hit, hit us yep. up, it'd be like, Talk to Gray. Yeah, how many people do you think were doing that? It was a lot. Everyone. Yeah. That's what I yeah. mean. So of course, eventually you're going to yeah. burn. Yeah, the if hell you're putting out. on shows, have a door that locks on your bedroom. I'm sure you kind of wish that you had that too. Like a yeah. way to lock up your stuff. Well, uh, I shouldn't have had some of my stuff in the public area. And once I built the walls, I, I did start moving things away from where people would steal it because you don't think that's going to happen when you're having shows in your house. And then you realize that that definitely happens when you have shows at your house. It definitely, definitely happens. Well, cool going down this memory lane with you. And obviously Tara and I were very much there for a lot of this. The The difference of the our Lexington years where you weren't, you weren't there. We were here for this memory lane yeah. trip of yours. You played a good handful of them. You DJed a, a bunch of them. You attended yeah. a large portion of them. I mean, yeah, we, we were, you know, we <laughs> We were we were hanging out a lot. Back, I mean, not that we don't hang we out a lot now, it. but we were hanging out a lot back then. And you were at Green Door a, a good plenty, and I was also at your place a fair bit back then. You just weren't uh, having shows and kicking holes in walls. Trying. We not were to. we were mostly having like, you know, lasagna and, Ooh, and, wow. and yeah. dinner. <laughs> we, we were doing more of that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah always yeah. enjoyed always enjoyed coming over for a nice dinner, listening to some uh, listening to some records and hang hey, out yeah, with the Connellys. That's nice. <laughs> It's still enjoy how it. it's it is. It's still it's it's the preferred way to do things. Well, this was a lot of fun asking you about your history with the Green Door moving in. How good did it feel when you drove away for the last time? Fantastic. And and again, throwing stuff out the window when when yeah, I was yeah moving. yeah yeah just yeah. a lack of caring, and that represents how I felt about the space at that time. I have since been back by there. Last time I played in Detroit at Trinosov's, it's it was like a block away from the Green Door. Oh, so right. yeah, I yeah, went yeah. by Green Door and an uncomfortable block to drive because there's no direct access. There's like some dead ends that end in like a freeway on. It was like a tricky neighborhood to oh, navigate. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You could yeah. very easily oh, accidentally get on the freeway I definitely did that yeah. I get lost easily accidentally everywhere. get on the freeway yes. and if you missed like an exit you could be headed to canada in like two months yes. Yes. that's right yes. that's right that's that was right. a nightmare there you would be in this like shoot to canada yeah <laughs> so i i went by there and the building looks much nicer and the the parking lot where I used to park my car and it would get broken into is nicely and properly fenced with good, whatever, you know, it looks, Ooh. it looks much safer and nicer now, much like a lot of Detroit does comparative to living there in the early and mid two thousands. It's a different city. was now. a total hell hole. Yeah. There was like a natural wine bar and a cool venue cafe <laughs> art space that I played and like nice restaurants around. And that was those were abandoned buildings with broken windows when I lived there. Yeah. Man, crazy how it's changed. Well, man, I'll tell you what. Glad your living space now is not also a venue. 
Gray, sorry about the spaghetti. <laughs> sorry about, sorry the, about spaghetti. the cereal. Sorry, sorry about, for switching your CD. Yeah, sorry about anything else we did to. Sorry about what everybody did to your bathroom. All this stuff. Just, uh, just you know what? All uh, just full of apologies for our actions. Thank you for putting on shows. Yes, it was I, fun. It was my pleasure. I, I really did. It was very important to me, and I still. Despite talking all this about the I mean, negative aspects of, of it, I, it was a really, really formative time for me and got to host a lot of really cool people and got to learn from a lot of really cool people. I mean, Ron was at my place. I don't know how many damn times, you know, yeah, getting yeah. to like mm-hmm. talk to a guy who'd been there forever and also was bringing through some of the coolest noise CDs like Ron's distro box was a joy to, to behold when he was on yeah. tour. And having some of my friends have their first shows at my place and that kind of stuff. It was all really an important thing. I'm just glad that it is uh, 17 years in the past now. Absolutely. Pass that torch. This was a lot of fun chatting about the old green door behind the green door. We didn't even talk about the name and the porno that would always be on the TV and all well, the other yes, things about the green door. <laughs> all porn the, mags that out. porn mags in the bathroom on the wall everywhere. <laughs> and of course, yes, that? behind the green door being the classic yeah. Mitchell Brothers porn starring Marilyn Chambers. Class, and it was just the perfect name, right? For absolutely the like the, I said, the door when I moved in was green, and then we replaced it with a door that did not have a drug slot and a and a, and a mirror, a, a one way mirror, two way mirror, whatever piece of glass that could have easily been broken, and my house been broken into like that. So it was replaced with an actual door that I painted green because I it was behind the green door. Did you replace the door yourself? I don't remember. It, it absolutely would not surprise me if I did. I, I did a lot of stuff there myself, but I don't mm-hmm. know if I did that or if they had someone come through. I think they had someone come through and do it. But I'm not sure. Well, over on the Patreon, you can pop over there and hear some sets recorded at the Green Door, specifically the Bloody Minded set that was released, but... Having it over there now for this discussion is very appropriate. So head on over there to listen to some recordings from the green door. And Gray, this was a lot of fun talking about your history. Got lots of great stuff getting planned. So stay tuned. We'll talk to y'all next week. Bye. Don't switch your friend's CDs. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha.